This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Fraser Productions. The Deciders with Renee Frazier. Welcome to The Deciders. I'm Renee Frazier, the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We're the leading woman-owned and woman-led advertising and marketing firm in Southern California. At Frazier, we specialize in changing behaviors to grow brands and positively impact society in both private and public sectors. And most recently, we've been working on the messaging and crisis communications with the Department of Public Health around COVID-19. We are certainly living in serious times, and my show, The Deciders, features leaders in their fields and change agents. Because of what we're seeing with COVID-19, we want to talk about issues that are relevant to our listeners as they guide businesses, run businesses, or are themselves uh, involved in a business as an employee. In these days, we know that adhering to safer-at-home orders is difficult sometimes for businesses as they continue as usual, and unfortunately, many businesses have not been able to continue. But those of us who are continuing our businesses and working remotely are facing many challenges. How do we, as business leaders, manage remote teams effectively? Well, today we're going to talk to an expert about that, Dr. Tracy Willen. Dr. Willen is a woman who is a, she's a researcher, an author, a speaker uh, on the impact of technology on society, work, and on careers. She's held leadership positions at many high-tech Fortune 100 firms, and Tracy has recently blogged a lot about how to organize a virtual business organization and success. And today we're going to talk about recommendations and tips that apply in this world of COVID-19 with remote working. Tracy, welcome to The Decider. So happy to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the time. Well, let's talk about this new normal for businesses, trying to continue working remotely. Uh, it's not always easy. And the transitions, especially for business owners who had uh, most people not working remotely, uh, can be a tough thing. What is the first thing you recommend to people as they put working remotely in place? Right. Well, first, you know, let me just put it in the context of what we're in, the environment we're in today, you know, the COVID-19. And people have been thrust into shelter at home, working from home, other people at home, and kids at home all at the same time. And so that's not just a normal kind of setup for working at home because usually you have one person working at home and they can get out of the house and their kids are at school. So we have to put that into the context as I answer this. But the first thing that a company can do is to make sure that they really set up their employees for success at working at home. And the first step would obviously be having the technology because employees want workers, right, they want to get to their files. Um, do they have a secure connection? Do they have the ability to see and talk to other people using either a Zoom or a Skype or some other technology? Do I um, have a way that I can reach out to someone using an instant message? So that's the first thing. And make sure that they have a help desk phone number because everybody will forget their passwords because they're already programmed at work. So it's the simple things that give people the right tools first and make mm -hmm. it simple for them to be able to perform. Right. I will tell you, you know, in our case, we uh, 
we have done that. We've got VPN lines. We have about 30 people working remotely. I, I found the other thing that we needed to do was also pay for Internet service and their phone services because they were now using their own equipment. Or in many cases, we gave them laptops so that they also felt we weren't taking advantage of the situations they were in. Does that make sense to you to be helpful in that Absolutely. way? Oh, yes. So as um, corporations usually have some sort of program, if they are doing remote programs, um, where you can expense uh, certain things, um, such as your VPN line, or, you know, it might be different activities associated. It's really decided by the company and how they want to do that. Um, And I think it is important, you know, and make those decisions of you giving them the laptop to bring it home. Is it a lease? Is it rented? Are you supporting it? Are you giving them phones and all of the equipment that helps them be successful? I'd also recommend that to keep the technology simple, you know, standardize on one thing so that you're not experimenting with some people using Zoom and some people using Skype and some people using phone conferences. It just keep it really simple, at least common denominator, just so that people can, you know, get on with what they really need to do, which is their job. That's a good, good advice. Now, um, let's talk about some of the practical things on an individual basis, uh, creating a routine, getting dressed properly, right? Not doing all your meetings on your pajamas, <laughs> right? Well, okay. So first off, you know, the, you know, as, as team leaders set up their employees for success or their teams for success, you know, they need some skin in the game and helping create a predictable schedule. Um, you know, so here, you know, we used to have a staff money meeting on a Monday. We used to check in on a Wednesday and then have a wrap on a Friday. So I would establish that same schedule so that I working at home know exactly where I need to be when. And then I at home need to figure out, oh, okay, in Los Angeles, I'm, you know, I'm probably going to gain a lot of time in commute time. So what is my start time? What is my end time? What is my lunch time? What is my break time? And then how am I, where am I going to work? in the home space and, you know, start to get a new routine. We're creatures of habit. We like routine. We had one that we knew going to work. So now we need to refigure that at home. Very good. makes a lot of sense, a routine at home. And uh, I think what I'm hearing you say, too, is that leaders need to be, uh, as you said, adhere to the same rules, but also uh, probably be kind. I mean, uh, we do know that there's a lot of anxiety around COVID-19, and uh, we also know that uh, the rules are changing on a regular basis. We're doing this interview in at the end of March. Uh, it's going to run in early May. And if somebody listens to the podcast in late May or June, circumstances might be different. But I will say that I think there's a, a lot of consternation and uh, and people uh, routine helps. Right. It helps them uh, stay focused. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about the psychological implications and things you've done to kind of help the uh, help people feel valued in this difficult situation environment? Sure. So, number one, you know, you have to switch your management style uh, from management from FaceTime, quite frankly, of people showing up in the office and then things get dynamic. And um, and sometimes that is not very useful because people use that time unproductively. There were some studies out that people were actually wasting about two hours of time in physical offices that they weren't wasting at home. And so I think setting up the routine for them and then also uh, the purpose, you you know, 
what are your deliverables? Why are you know what's due this week? What's due next week? Why are we working? What is our um, team's objectives? And make them much more clear cut, you know, so that people say, oh, I see. So this week we're building a website, or this week we're developing content for a white paper. And then I would assign names and leadership activities to people on the team as well as different tasks. So people know that they have a responsibility to do something because their name is on it. And then there's also dependencies that can get created. If one person is leading a task team on one activity but they're participating on another, then you have more synergies between the team members, which keeps keeps the momentum going. They don't feel as isolated or alone. That's very important. I, I like that idea and kind of changing your style with people. Uh, do you also recommend that uh, you give people break time, you know, in the sense that I noticed my schedule and a lot of my employees where at the end of the day, it's like uh, one Zoom meeting after another. And uh, and they're feeling uh, that they're working harder than they did when they were in the office. And given your comment about the study that people waste a little more time in the office, perhaps with the chit chat and uh, other things that are normal human behaviors. Uh, do you find that that's a, that if that can be a problem and that we should deliberately allow people break time so that they can get up and walk around things of that nature? If you let people know what meetings are important for them to attend and where, where they have to be, and then give them the flexibility to work at their, or choose their most productive times. Cause some people are morning people. Some people are afternoon people. Some people are night people. Um, then they can get their work done and then schedule in their lives. So the way to do that is really set up uh, regular meetings and then also have clear-cut agendas and time bands around these meetings. Um, You know, you have your Zoom meeting. If it starts at 10, make sure people have the agenda in, in advance. What are you covering in the meeting? Who is expected to respond? And what time does that meeting end? If you start getting into a lot of dialogue, you might just say, look, just say, take it offline. And then people can go off on their own and sort out some of the differences. So it's a very, it's a much more structured way of approaching work. But I'll tell you some of the benefits of this. You can have this pass the baton workflow happening where the morning people get stuff done and then they pass it to the afternoon people who pass it to the night people who pass it to the people on the the other coast, right? So it's a much, it can be a much more productive flow and interesting way of working while allowing people to really make some choices instead of saying, this is your work day, this is where you have to be because that's what we know in the physical world. And this is a different world now. Uh, so Tracy, it sounds like what you're saying is we're actually going to become more efficient and effective if we manage through this properly. And one of the things I liked about your comment about flexibility and managing by deliverables, it builds trust in people. It makes them feel like uh, you're giving them the responsibility, empowering them to get the work done. I don't want to make one point about that. I've been doing a lot of meetings with other CEOs talking about uh, dealing with this, and they are realizing that they had been fighting remote working for a while and now realize the benefit of it, just the things you've just talked about. So I have to think about and ask you, how is work going to be when this is over? I doubt if the working environment will be the same. Can you speculate on how you think this might change the way businesses operate? 
Yes, and and to your point, I have had a lot of executives reach out to me and just say, you know what, the two biggest barriers have been uh, remote working is trust and then Mm -hmm. security. Do I have the right technology and can I do this? And when they found that they were forced into overcoming those two things, they saw how much better it was. And so many of them are now making it a policy to continue to work from home. And this is one of the potential outcomes is that companies, because we don't know the requirements yet for distance, we don't know what the sanitation requirements, we don't know the mask requirements, you know, there's so many requirements that companies might be burdened with um, to continue if people come back into the office. And so they're saying this is, could be riskier actually having people in the office than at home. So many people are already starting to rethink through, do I really want everyone back at work now that we've overcome the two major hurdles that, you know, of trust and technology. And the second is, is that this can really cascade into a lot of different kinds of effects. A colleague of mine in Texas said, my company decided everybody's working home moving forward. They were so delighted with the scenario and she takes care of a disabled brother. So she said, now I don't have to live within the zip code of where I work. I now can move somewhere closer to his medical resources and in a bigger space where he'll be much happier. So I think you're gonna see zip code changes. One is companies will say, I don't have to just hire in my local zip code anymore. I can hire the best of breed anywhere in the world. And that can create a much more diverse workforce, a much more skilled workforce. And you can really find some of that tough to find talent. On the employee side, the zip code was always dictating where we lived. And if we Mm -hmm. had to put up with the commutes, and if that goes away, well, I just get back in Los Angeles. They say the average commute is an hour and a half per person um, each way to work. So I just came back three hours of my day, and people are saying, you know what, I like that because I'd rather be with my family or outside or working out or doing a hobby or going back to school. So I think there's a lot of exciting things that could happen. A lot of benefits to that. I think you're right. We've we've been dealing also with work-life balance, right? And that's been a concern people have expressed. Getting back that commute time also enhances the amount of time for family, for parenting. So you're right. There probably are a lot of silver lining elements to this for the workforce. I will say, though, I want to get your reaction. There was a recent study published by Exec Life. They did a survey of 2,500 people. They were was across the United Kingdom, the U.S., and Australia. And interestingly enough, they focused in on different generations. And they did see that uh, the Gen Z people felt a little more in the dark as a result. They felt less well-informed than they were when they were in the office. It was 44% uh, feeling that way, uh, or 81% feeling less less well-connected. 44% saying video conferencing uh, got in the way of completing their work. And then the 70% saying that they felt left in the dark. Why do you think that's the case with these younger employees? These would be people 18 to 25. Yep. They need a lot of training. So when someone enters the workforce, 
they're either coming out of a high school environment or a college environment, and they're not coming out of a structured workforce. They don't know what their what a job is other than maybe an internship that they had or a summer job. So when they move into the workforce, they need a lot of structure. They need to learn this. They need to be trained. They need uh, mentors. They need associates who can help them find their path and maneuver through a corporation. And I find that, you know, one with any new employee, but the younger they are, the more help they really need from more seasoned people. So I can understand that um, concern. On the flip side, they will be more, um, they can easily adapt to technology better. Um, So that's very helpful because I find some generations that didn't grow up with technology are still trying to overcome that, um, and mm-hmm. so that makes it harder for them. But I'm not surprised by that comment at all because they just really need to get seasoned, so to speak. Good point. The other thing, probably, we know particularly with millennials, they want instant feedback, right, and uh, guidance, uh, and uh, and that's missing because you don't have that walk down and look over their shoulder and talk with them about their work right away. You can do that through a technology. So I suppose it can adapt to that, but it isn't maybe as natural as a phenomena as being able to speak to a person about their work immediately, compliment them, and then also give them constructive advice. Do you see that well, they're being adapted into the new this new mode? Well, we have emojis, <laughs> but um, what I used to do with my teens um, is we would have um, virtual get-togethers um, that were, you know, not structured um, formal meetings. So we would have virtual coffees, virtual lunches, brown bag lunches, talk about things, reward sessions. Uh, the most fun we used to have was if it was someone's birthday. Um, who would send them the most exotic, interesting basket with a with a cost limitation? So we each creatively would try to surprise somebody, whether it was unique flowers or snack baskets. Someone sent a very unique yoga uh, training <laughs> basket. Um, so there's ways that you can reward people uh, and and celebrate success. It doesn't go away uh, just because you're virtual. You can certainly still pick up the phone and call someone um, and say, you know, you did a really great job today and I, I just yeah, it's a, you know that good point you get a good point you've got to make a habit of doing it it's something that I I find with myself I, I used to do that deliberately and I had a, I have a policy of walking around you know at 10 o'clock and at three o'clock and talking to people on a personal basis and and knowing what work they're working on can't do that as well but I suppose you're right I could pick up the phone and call or check in uh, with people, you've got to maybe build that into your day the way you do you did in a in a in a in an actual brick and mortar place. Hmm. Oh, absolutely! I and I think executives should just have one on ones, regular ones on ones. And if you need to do it a one on one, I don't, you know, depending on how many different employees you have, it's a cascading effect. So you do it with your direct reports, and then. They do it with mm-hmm. their direct reports, and then you can have group all-hands meetings and town hall meetings. I mean, you can still do a lot of these things virtually, and you might have to do a little more of that so people know that they're valued and that they have purpose with you, you know, in the organization. That's really good advice. You know, I was doing one-on-ones with my employees. When this started, I got in halfway through, and I thought, well, I'll just put it off till we all come back. But you're right. There's no reason not to do it virtually, and and it shows them how they care, how much you care 
That's really good advice. I, I, I know that uh, we have a, a system called Teams. I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's a Microsoft product. So it allows for that internal discussion. Another one is Slack. They're doing a lot of heavy advertising. These are uh, software products I want the listeners to know. They allow you to have uh, instant messaging, essentially, independent of the emails that are taking place. Any advice on how to use those? Well, I would be um, careful because some of the a dysfunctional things that happen when you work remote is you want everyone to know that you're there. So I used to see emails come out at midnight, two in the morning, five in the morning saying I'm here. People would leave their um, technology green light on all the time. Um, oh and I think it's important, again, to say, you know, it isn't the FaceTime. It's not the phys- it's it's actually the result of what you're getting done, and also um, people tend to copy everybody, so you do not have to copy everyone on the planet. Um, yes. It's just you know who's who are you working with individually, um, and I think it's just creating some rules around the different technologies, how to use them, and when to use them. Our group had a rule that texting was only used for emergency. Um, we actually migrated away from a lot of technology to phone conferencing because nobody wanted to dress up. And that's another dysfunctional thing that happens is people feel like they have to get very dressed up uh, on Zoom because they want to see what people, you know, what they look like when at the end of the day, your voice, I know your voice, I trust your voice now, we know that we're working together, and now you don't have to dress up anymore, you know, to be seen. So I think you have to, you know, just structure different rules around different technologies. I like that. And, uh, and and take the temperature, right, of your team. I know we do a virtual happy hour on Fridays, and people like to see each other. They like to see the dogs, right? I have a cat. <laughs> they like to, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of uh, personal sharing that happens. But you're right, people are not dressed up in any fancy way. Well, Dr. Tracy Weiland, as I mentioned, is a researcher and author. In her work, I read, she has done a study of people's success with remote working because she has been successful with it with her company, uh, Apollo, and her team of 65 people. I wanted to share the results of what she learned in that study. 75% of the people recommended virtual working to others, and 25% recommended uh, that it depended upon the job activities and a person's ability to structure their day. So there's still some variability. But I wanted to let people know what the benefits were that people shared in this research because I think it's worth it for us as business owners to think about those flexibility, those, those important points for uh, our employees. One is flexibility, increased time for personal activities, renewed creativity, a stronger sense of independence, quality family time, and personal balance. And then very interestingly, in the survey, uh, Weiland measured whether or not the team had saved money, and they reported monthly expense savings of between $500 and $1,000 by working from home, and the average was $700 a month. Let me list the things that she cites. Transportation costs make sense, car maintenance and public transportation, Parking fees, clothing purchases, home and child services, dry cleaning, cost of meals at work, and takeout dinners. I think many of you are seeing under these circumstances, you too are saving money. So these are good reasons why it makes sense for continuing remote work and benefits that employees should be thinking about. People did say there were four key benefits, the productivity gains, the time savings, the reduced expenses, and what they call a happier lifestyle. I think we've all been finding there are some good and some bad. 
Let me last close with what she feels are some of the tips people should consider uh, when they're working at home with their partners. Because as, uh, as Tracy mentioned in our interview a few minutes ago, you're in a different environment. It's one thing to work remotely and everybody else is off at school and at their other jobs coming in and out of the house. But when we're all sheltering in place and safer at home as we are here in Los Angeles in the month of uh, April and this early part of May, we have to think about the tips that we want to consider when we work with our partners. One is to create space for each other. The other is to have independent day schedules, just like when you're at the office. So you start at a certain particular time, you end at a particular time, and people respect that and know. Have to have signals uh, that the closed door means do not disturb, and times when you can be disturbed and times when you cannot be. A fourth point is to be able to keep your routines, have a workout in the morning, uh, have your coffee and have your lunch. That routine and schedule is important so that individuals feel that they're they're filling their time appropriately. It's also good to start and end uh, the time at the same time every day. You start officially at 830 or 9 o'clock. You might stop at 6 and then shut down. I know there's a tendency to feel like, well, I could keep working. I'm much quiet. I could get more done. But you really need that time away from and then back with your partners, your family members. And the other is to balance the workload. You've got the kids. You've got shopping. You want to make sure that you're feeling like you're balancing things. And now that you're not commuting as an employee or as the boss uh, or as a team leader, you do have more time available to you so you can think about balancing the workload. Well, those are the pieces of advice that go to the individuals working with us and in our companies. One one last piece of advice you'd like to give everyone, Tracy, as we wind down the interview? Well, I think particularly, you know, for people who have full lives and these full commutes and full jobs, um, you know, working from home is, I have found, has transformed my life in terms of being able to go back to school, have a great workout routine, make my own meals, spend time with family, um, and it's, it, and be at my height of, you know, comfort and productivity. And I was able to lead a team of 65 to do that as well. And so I think if, you know, as executives, we look at this as a, benef- a benefit, not only um, cost and time. Um, I think a lot of companies might make some decisions about maybe this is a path for us or at least partial path or for some of our teams. So I think um, it could be a, a lot of winners coming out of this unfortunate situation. Thank you, Tracy. Very good advice. It could be a win-win. Well, we've learned a lot about how to make working from home successful and how it can even go past what we're doing with COVID-19, and it could be a win-win. Thank you for listening to Frazier Communications. We're a full-service advertising and communications firm. You can listen to our podcasts at FrazierCommunications.com. I hope you stay safe and stay well. I'm looking forward to talking with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions.